so good to be with you. Go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team, and I'd love to invite you to grab your notes out of your handout. Uh, and I just, I just want to say, it is easy to believe in resurrection life when we've had a week as beautiful as the week that we've had. Isn't that right? That it's just been so you're filled with vitamin D, you've got all this sunshine that you've been soaking up, you see sort of all of nature just springing forth to new life, and, and for some of us, uh, it's caused us to get into that spring cleaning kind of a mode. Uh, in fact, I saw this uh, this week online, just kind of a, a little reminder. Yay, you made it through my Facebook cleaning. That's not, not real encouraging. Uh, I just want you to know I love all my Facebook friends. Uh, so, yeah, don't worry about that. Um, but I do want to just tell you how excited I am to get into the series that we are getting into. You know, last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Jesus spoke about more than any other, the topic that, that, he, that he covered more than any other topic in his earthly ministry is the topic of the kingdom. And he talked about what the kingdom of God is like. He talked about what it was like to have kingdom living. He, he obviously, we talked about how only Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. And, and we want to unpack that a little more clearly over the next couple of weeks but to get into it, I want to take a look at an episode that happened right after the resurrection. Resurrection happened early on Sunday morning. This episode happens that evening with the disciples. It's found in John chapter 20. It's in your notes. It'll be on the screen. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sure somebody here who's hung up on that last line breathed on them. So somebody, I just know, is thinking, you know, I have morning breath after one night of sleep. Jesus has been in the tomb the whole weekend. What does resurrection breath smell like, right? And I just want to assure you, Jesus had fresh breath. He had two of these testaments. <laughs> two testaments. I'm sorry, that, that's a truly dumb joke. I'm sorry to subject you to that. Now, I want you to take a look at the passage and see what it is that's going on. First, you can see that he speaks peace to answer their fears. So he does this twice. He speaks peace over them, peace to them. And last week, we unpacked this reality that, yes, the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so you recognize that that is peace, peace now, peace for eternity. This is the Prince of Peace bringing peace to those who follow him. So that's the first thing we see, peace being spoken over the disciples, calming their fear. The second thing we see, he authenticated his identity. This is not some imposter, 
not some look-alike. This is not an Elvis impersonator. He's saying, look, look at my hand. See the wound in my side. I am Jesus, crucified and resurrected. The next thing we see, he imparts the Holy Spirit to them. And the last thing we see is he gives them a job. It's a, it's a, it's a role description. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to get in on what it is that job description is all about. For the next three weeks, we're going to try to pull that apart and see if we can't get a real clear understanding of what is that being sent as the Father sent Jesus. Now he has sent us. What is it that we're to be about? To understand all this, we have to actually unpack what is the Father's heart. What is it that the Father is about? What is it that the Father has always been about? And to unpack this, we're going to have to go all the way back to Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, it's the first book in the Bible. Again, this is on your notes as well. But in Genesis chapter 12, we see a part of God interacting with Abram. And later he's to become Abraham, but right now he's Abram. And we're going to unpack this episode and actually a couple of episodes with the Lord interacting with Abraham. And this is what it says, Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So let's unpack that just a little bit. He's told, leave the nation that you're a part of, and I will make you into a nation. And the promise of the Lord to Abram is, when you do this, you will be blessed. And it's for some purpose. It's so that you will be a blessing. And then the next statement is one of those karmic-like statements. He's saying, and those who curse will be cursed, and those who bless will be blessed. And this is not the only time you see it in the Bible, but it's that universal law, right? You've heard it said that the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And this is one of the biblical realities that that is the case. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the, uh, in the letter to Galatians. He says that, uh, that what a person uh, sows, that's what they will reap. So the truth of the matter is, this is universal truth, that it's biblical truth, but it's just universal, and people call it karma and other things. But if you spend your life planting apple trees, then ultimately you will harvest apples. That's just the way that it works. You can't spend your life sowing something and expect that you will harvest some other thing. And, and so that's just what God's saying. Nothing too shocking in all of that. But the last line should absolutely shock and astound everyone. Because the last line says, all families on earth will be blessed through you. I want you to circle the word all. God's saying not just a few and not just many and not even most families on earth. All families on earth will be blessed through you. 
And it's important to understand that this is God's heart, that this is God's original design. If you want to look back even a few more chapters toward the beginning in Genesis 1, you will see that the original design in creation was perfection and blessing unhindered. That our first parents were designed to live in this blessed intimacy with our Heavenly Father in vibrant community, authentic intimacy with one another and in unbroken blessing with all of creation. But then sin entered the world and it broke that intimacy with our Father and it destroyed that intimacy with one another and now we're filled with self preservation and self-protection and it broke that relationship with creation now we have to toil we have to labor to see produce and and harvest happen and and that's the reality we live in but it but even though sin has entered the world it hasn't changed God's original heart so his original heart his original design is that ultimately the whole world will be redeemed and restored to him and with him in eternity, blessed forever and ever. So that's God's heart. And so God says, Abram, I am choosing you, but through you, I want to bless the whole world. Everyone. Okay. Pastor Pat was talking to me this week. He was saying that every springtime, right about now, he, he was saying that his dad would be out in the yard reconfiguring the sprinklers. They grew up in Spokane. You guys probably on the west side don't know what sprinklers are. Sprinklers are this, uh, they're this design for a, a yard and you turn on a hose and then all of a sudden uh, there's water that comes out. People actually you know, pay money for water to put on their, their lawn and they do that in other places, not here. But what I want you to see is that every year Pat's dad would monkey around with the sprinklers a little bit and he would always declare, this year our whole lawn is going to be green. It's not going to be mostly green. It's not going to be just a little brown, but this year is the year that the whole lawn will be green. And I want you to see God's heart is, is, is that the whole earth, that all the families, that everyone, everywhere, every time, that the blessing of God, it's all-encompassing and all-inclusive. That's God's heart. And, and this blessing is to come, he says, through the person of Abram. Now, the next passage that we're going to unpack also comes from the Lord to Abraham, this is after Abraham has been walking with the Lord and trusting him. He followed God to the land God showed him. He gets a new name from Abram to Abraham. Lots of adventures as he's following God. And honestly, it's taken a little while, according to Abraham's reckoning, for, for him to be able to start a family so that, so that he could have descendants and all the world could be blessed through him. And, but now a son has finally been born. God's promise has finally been fulfilled to Abraham. He has a son, Isaac. Abraham loves Isaac so much as great fathers do uh, with their kiddos. And, and so it's in the midst of that scenario that God, he wants to see if Abraham loves Isaac more than Abraham loves God. Does Abraham love Isaac more than Abraham trusts God to fulfill his promises. And so you might be familiar with this. 
God tests Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, I'm going to preach a whole message on this topic at some point in the near future, so I don't want to get too deep into this now. Soren Kierkegaard wrote a book about this episode called Fear and Trembling, where he talks about how this is an ethical dilemma, but Abraham is able to enter it and to take a leap of faith with the Lord, and he actually becomes a knight of faith, the father of faith for us, and, and, and so we'll get more into that. But what I want you to see right now is simply that Abraham does obey God in this test. Abraham takes Isaac with him on a three-day journey. They travel to Mount Moriah to have this sacrifice. And, and by the way, most scholars believe that Mount Moriah is actually the mountain, kind of the, the area where the old town of Jerusalem was first built before Jerusalem was ever founded. Abraham was there. And, and Abraham goes up there and builds the altar and puts the wood on it. And then he puts Isaac on the altar. And Abraham goes so far as to raise the knife to, to make the sacrifice to God. And God says, that's enough. He says, I, I see your heart clearly. So Abraham, here's, here's a ram caught in a thicket. I want you to use that ram for the sacrifice instead. Abraham, I want you to receive your son restored back to you as if from the dead. I want you to take him back into your arms, into your family. And, and by the way, you should get Isaac a little counseling. He's going to need that. <laughs> and then this is what I want to focus on. This is what God says to Abraham. Okay, This is Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me. And have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And though your descendants, th uh, sorry, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Now, descendants. This is the primary blessing that God gives Abraham, descendants. In the ancient world, descendants were the chief way that blessing of God was reckoned. More than land, more than livestock, more than wealth, descendants were the mark of God's blessing on a person, on a family. And so God says to Abraham, I will bless you with descendants. And then he uses these numbers, this, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And the idea is that this, these are metaphorical numbers, so great, they're just astronomical, beyond even our ability to comprehend mentally. But of course, we live in the age of Google, so I just did a little bit of research to see how many stars did scientists think are in the universe, and the answer is a hundred billion, you know, give or take several billion, all right? So, so that's the, the, the answer that some scientists give, a hundred billion stars in the universe, then did a little research, how much sand, how many grains of sand are there on the beaches of the world? I have to read it to you. It's seven quintillion, 500 quadrillion grains of sand, give or take a few quadrillions. So, the idea is you take a hundred billion, that's the stars, and you add them to the seven, I forgot the number, quotillions, I don't know what it was. But it's, the idea is you can't understand how 
big this blessing is, right? It's impossible for our minds to comprehend. And then God says it again. I'd love to have you circle this in your notes again. He says, through your descendants all. Through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All. Now, through your descendants, all. If you look in Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3 and you read the genealogies that you find there, you will see in direct line from Abraham a person known as Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we talked about this last week, through Jesus, the grace and the love and the provision and the blessing of God's salvation are extended to the entire world. All the nations of the earth blessed through the descendant of Abraham. And I want you to see this. The, the main thing that I want you to get is the heart of God through these passages. Can you just see the Father's heart through these passages? His, his heart always is for blessing. And, and, and creation itself is a canvas to display the heart of God in blessing. And I really do hope, and I... I, I'm just saying this again. I hope that you didn't miss how beautiful, how gorgeous, how wonderful this last week was. My prayer is that you were able to get out in some park or, or walk out and see the trees just bursting into flower, unfurling their leaves, that you were able to walk barefoot in the grass somewhere and just see spring and its vitality coming to life. I hope you saw the mountains out this week. I hope you saw the, the majesty that is always there. We just can't see it, but 19, 20 days a year. So I, I just I want you to see it because when you get out in it and you see the beauty, you walk under the twilight, you see the stars come into full, full expanse, and you oh, Lord, thank you for your glory. Thank you for your majesty. Thank you for your beauty. Don't miss it because creation is a blessing, and it's a blessing to everyone. And when God says, I want all the world to be blessed, I want all the families to be blessed, I want all the nations to be blessed, they will be blessed because I'm sending my son Jesus and then he's going to be sending you. You need to understand that God's ultimate design is to reconcile all of creation, all of the universe and all of the families of the world to himself in love. He wants to bless the entire human family. So if you want to sum up everything we've talked about thus far, please write this down. God is a generous, blessing, abundant God, and he wants everybody everywhere to be blessed. That's his desire. That's his will. That's his call on his people. So God calls Abram to a specific region, the land I'll show you. But when he calls him there, it's for a specific purpose. Then God calls Abraham later to obey him. That's the test with Isaac. But when he blesses Abraham for his obedience, it's for a specific purpose. And that specific purpose is that the whole world will be blessed. The blessing of God would spill over into every country, into every community, into every corner. 
And please understand, it's not that we are blessed so that we can be hoarders. It's not that we're blessed so that we can be selfish. It's not get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. By the way, just raise your hand if you've ever heard that saying before. Anybody ever heard that saying before? Yeah, I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. I just heard that saying for the first time this week. Get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. And it sounded like something my great-granddad, who was a farmer in Fairview, Oklahoma, would say. Or maybe somebody from Duval. But... uh, But that's not what we're called to. We're not blessed so that we can amass and accumulate and store up for ourselves. No, 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 friends. We're blessed to be a blessing in this world. That's God's heart. And that's exactly the journey that Overlake's been on for the last two years. We've tried to position ourselves so that we can be a blessing to our communities. And the scripture that's fueled the journey has has been found in the book of Jeremiah 29. So go ahead and take a look at this passage. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So interesting, this passage to me. And the more I've mulled over it over these last couple of years, the more I think God has revealed through it. You know, God tells his people, the Israelites, as they're going into Babylon, he says, I want you to invest there. I want you to invest in real estate. I want you to build homes. I, I, I want you to, to build infrastructure. I want you to own land and property there. Not only that, he says, I want you to invest in agriculture. I want you to plant and I want you to harvest and I want you to enjoy the bounty of that harvest. Then he says, I want you to invest in family. I want you to marry and I want you to have kids. I want you to multiply, flourish, don't dwindle away. And then he says, I want you to invest in the generations. It's not just for you to marry and have kids. I want you, for for you to be able to find spouses for your kiddos. I want you to have many grandchildren. I want you to invest in a beautiful, generational kind of a blessing. God says, this is what I want for you. Now, the Israelites, all they cared about was Jerusalem. They just wanted to get back to Jerusalem. And God says, yes, I care about Jerusalem, but I also care about Babylon. So while you're in Babylon, I want you to work on its behalf. I want you to pray to the Lord for Babylon. I want you to be a blessing in the city that I'm sending you because as it prospers, one of the translations says, so you will prosper. In its welfare, the Bible says, is your welfare. And it's so amazing to me. You know, the Israelites were sure that they were the only chosen people of God. They were the ones that God loved, not these icky Babylonians. And God says, yeah, I love you, Israelites. You are my people. I love Jerusalem. I love that city, but I also love this one. And I love these people. And you are to be a blessing. And it's amazing to me that God is telling them to invest in this land for a specific purpose. 
It is so that they will bless and that they will be blessed. And so here's what these three passages show us. That when God tells us to move to a specific place, like he told Abram, the purpose is so that we will be blessed and be a blessing. When God calls us to be obedient and test us like he did Abraham, it is so that we will be blessed and we will be a blessing. And when God calls us to invest in the community that he has sent us to, it is so that we will bless and we will be blessed as we do so. See, it's amazing to me that we have been already stirring this up, that this is the posture of our heart as we have explored Blessing My City over these last two years. And we've done it a couple of ways over Lake, and this might be a bit of review. We've revived this not much utilized word called perish. Perish. It, it used to be used quite often in the Catholic Church and the Church of England, and, and a parish is simply this. A parish is a geographical location. It, it, it is a region. It's an area of land. And typically what would happen is as the church would organize, they would put in a certain parish a priest or a pastor. And they would assign that priest or pastor to that geographical region. But here's the kicker. That pastor is not just in charge of caring for the families that come to his church. That pastor is charged with caring for the well-being of all of the families in the parish that is assigned to. And so the, the idea is this, that, that we have been placed in our communities not by accident, not by happenstance, but by God himself. That he has called us to these neighborhoods and he's called us to these communities and we've defined that as the parish that God has placed us in. And so the challenge is that we would be willing to pastor the, the people in our parish. What pastoring means is simply this, that we're willing to listen to, that we're willing to come alongside, that we're willing to care for, to care about, to pray for, right? Uh, in fact, when we launched this a couple of years ago, we put up a big map on the wall and we asked people to begin to post prayers over their parish and so many of you did. We actually collected hundreds and hundreds of these. I just wanna read a, a couple uh, one says, my parish is Redmond, and I pray that the people in Redmond would find hope in Jesus in this world full of uncertainty. Another one says, my parish is Woodenville, that the community would be open, understanding, and loving to those who are outside their norm. Another says, my parish is Digipen, and my prayer is that students would fall in deeply in love with Jesus, that a lasting impact would be made on the community and video game industry. Another says, my parish is Kirkland, that we as a church can be the hands and feet of Jesus in a fresh way and that the people in our parish would be drawn to Jesus' love and compassion. So just some examples of, of this idea, this heart, and I know many of you have continued to pray for your parish over these last two years, but if you're filling in the blanks, the dream of blessing my city has been that every Jesus follower would be pastoring their parish. We'd be caring for our parish, we'd be praying for our parish, and that we would step into our role as pastor of the parish that God has placed us in. You know, just this week I heard that an overlaker had a neighbor who had lost a loved one, and so this person just stepped right into the role of pastor, listening to and crying with and caring for their neighbor 
who is dealing with grief. I heard about another overlaker who has a passion to care for animals and loves to dog sit. Well, her neighbor had unexpected kidney surgery, and so this overlaker immediately stepped in, began to care and support and encourage, and specifically, while the neighbor was immobile in recovery from her surgery, um, to feed and walk and house the dog. And there are hundreds of more stories that have been birthed from our collective heart to bless our cities. And so the dream that we've had, the dream we're building toward, is that each one of us, every one of us following Jesus at Overlake Christian Church, that we would step more and more into the role of pastor and care for our parish. Not only that, we want as a church to be able to care for other people who are caring for their parish. You, you might remember a, a couple of years ago, we actually had a really a great victory. God gave it to us that we were able to come alongside Pastor Rick Danner at New Light Christian Church down in the Rainier Valley, and we were able to help put a roof on this church because it was falling in disarray. Or Pastor Tim Gatos, we were able to come alongside him, help him launch the Seattle Church in South Seattle. Or Pastor Jake Gertza, we're able to get behind his blooming plant, and that's going to be north, probably in Bothell. And we were able to seed uh, virtually all the launch leaders for that team. I have loved the way that Overlake has come alongside Leona. She's the shopkeeper of Rags to Riches consignment store in Redmond. And she was the victim of overt racism. And not only have so many Overlakers stopped by her shop to encourage, to care for her, to shop. Uh, she said she lost count, actually, of all the Overlakers that have been over there. But Emily, one of our interns, and Pastor Josh stepped in to run the store a while ago so that Leona could return to her home island in the Bahamas and do HIV ministry, which God has called her to there. So see how that actually happens generationally. We were able to care and bless our city so that she was able to go and to bless her city as well. So all of this is a part of the expression that we see God's heart calling us to the heart of Overlake, that we would be blessing our city. It's also this, if you're filling in the blanks, it's God's calling us to be a voice for the voiceless, to speak up for those who have no voice. We'll unpack this more a bit next week, but one of the ways we've known for a while that the 18 to 25-year-old crowd is the most transient demographic in American society. It's here today, gone tomorrow, schooling here this semester, out of state next semester, working here over the summer, working there in the fall. And because of that, typically they're not well heard and they're not well represented in the church. So one of our passions, one of the points for Blessing My City was launching a young adult ministry. And I'd love to have you watch this video to see the good work that God has already begun. I'm Kara. I'm one of the pastors on staff with Young Adults. Overlake Young Adults is a ministry designed for 18 to 25-year-olds to come together on Sunday nights here in the chapel at Overlake to do life together, um, share stories, pray for one another, and worship God together. As we open our doors each week, we have hundreds of people that come in with different stories, and so we want this to be a safe place for people that maybe have never set foot in a church before to experience Jesus and the love that He has for them.
because of YA, I feel like I've found a community of believers that has really become my family. And through that encouragement of our mutual faith, my, my faith, I feel like, has grown exponentially. So our desire is that everyone who comes into the young adult community learns how to find their voice, discover their passion and their purpose and identity in Christ. I'm proud to be part of a church that pursues care for young adults through the Blessing My City campaign. Thank you for your generosity as we continue to provide a voice for the voiceless. Hey, can we just thank God for what he's already begun through our young adult ministry? So great, yeah. And uh, I would say that if you are in that 18 to 25-year-old demographic, I'd love to invite you there. If you have uh, a young person that's in your life, uh, you know, maybe a son or daughter, neighbor, friend, that kind of a thing, please invite them. It's this incredible community, a hundred strong. Uh, when I show up, I realize instantly that they are far hipper than I will ever be in my entire life. It's like the coolest place at Overlake and, and just love to see what God has birthed there. And uh, I know that there's so much potential, actually so many more lives that can be impacted through that ministry. So we're really excited about what God has begun and what will continue to happen uh, through that ministry. Another uh, ministry that we have committed to through the Blessing My City campaign is Eastside Academy. And Eastside Academy is a high school. It's actually, it's housed here at Overlake in the wing behind me here. And it, it's a beautiful high school with personalized care designed for students who, for one reason or another, are a little bit on the margins educationally or uh, for many reasons. And, and so we just recognized that it needed to be a larger ministry for students in need. And we're very excited about what God has done, what God's continuing to do through Eastside Academy. Right now, I would love to introduce Josh. Uh, Josh is going to come and introduce uh, one of our students named Teen. But would you please give them a warm Overlake welcome as they come to share? Hi, I'm Josh Sloy. So I'm the director of counseling at Eastside Academy. I have the amazing privilege of working with this student population right here in this church campus and seeing lives changed. So this morning we're going to get to hear one of those stories from our student teen uh, who is being very brave, so you please welcome him with me as he shares his story. Hi, my name is Teen and I attend Eastside Academy Overlake. Things began for me when I was in middle school. I felt lost and frustrated and I found the wrong groups of people to hang out with. 
I began using drugs because of peer pressure. My drug use got so bad that I began to get into legal trouble. I wouldn't come home after weeks because I felt no connection with my family. I, when I was home, yeah, I used drugs to escape. Soon after I got to high school, the vice principal called me into her office. She told me that I was expelled for drug possession, skipping school, and assault. She told me that I needed to go to rehab and uh, go to a new school that was just opening called Eastside Academy. I didn't go. Since I was already expelled from school, I decided to do whatever I wanted. I started driving at a very young age, and I got caught up in a lot of stuff. I was trying new drugs and got out of control. One day I used so much drugs that I was scared for my life. At that point, I decided I was done. I knew if I didn't stop, I would die. I went to rehab and came straight to Eastside Academy. This school has given me so much hope for my future. It has shown me that I can accomplish things in my life besides destroying my mind, body, and soul. The teachers are wonderful. They make me feel hopeful about my academics. They help me work through frustrations I may have in class. My counselor really cares about me and checks up on me in my daily life. I'm comfortable enough to tell him what's going on with me. The other students help me with my sobriety. Things, they are real friends who support me through the right things. My mentor is Josh McQueen. He is someone that is always there for me. I can talk to him anytime without worrying about him telling anyone else. He keeps me from doing unhealthy things and reminds me that God is always there for me when I need him. I don't need to escape from my problems. I was lost and frustrated in public school. Eastside Academy is a loving family and community that supports me through life. It's been amazing. If not for Eastside Academy, I'd be dead. I would never have gone back to school. I had had no boundaries and I would not be sober right now. In the future, I plan on going to college and eventually becoming a counselor. I'm currently writing a book about my life and I hope that will save others. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Teen. Um, we have the awesome privilege of hearing these stories of radical change every day at Eastside Academy. If you, we are so thankful for Overlake Christian Church and the partnership you guys have made with us. And there are so many ways to get involved in this ministry. Please come talk to us afterwards in the lobby if you're interested at all. The biggest need that we have right now is we have a race coming up. If you would like to come with us you don't have to race. You can walk or run. We have a 5K coming up. You can take your time, but that is the biggest way that you can get involved right now is to sign up for our 5K happening on April 23rd. That's a Saturday. So please, we're going to be in the lobby. If you'd like to sign up, that'd be great. Or if you're interested in getting involved in any other way at Eastside Academy, we would love to have you. Thank you again for listening to Teen. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Teen. Honestly, I, I just want to encourage you. The, the 5K is so great. It's, it's a mostly painless way to support an incredible ministry uh, here. And uh, it, it, the, the race actually happens right here at Overlake. The start and finish line are here on our parking lot. And then we use the trails back behind the church here. And I, many of you have done it. So I know you know that I'm a part of it every year. My son Doozy and I, we, we walk, run 
run that thing and have a blast doing it. And quite honestly, you know, several of you need to start moving uh, this year. So uh, just, just go ahead, make sure you sign up and, and, and just talk to them, encourage uh, the Eastside Academy folks. It's such a great, great ministry that we get to partner with. So, so we love Eastside Academy. Thank you for being a part uh, of, of supporting that. Now, here's the deal. When you, when you start thinking about the job description that Jesus has for us, the I am sending you as the Father has sent me, you begin to look around the needs of the community, the needs of the neighborhood, the needs of your city, and, and, and even the needs of the world, and it might be easy to start to feel overwhelmed. Some of you, you start to feel overburdened. You start to get a little exhausted. That might cause you to withdraw because you think to yourself, I don't have the strength. So let me point you back to the reality. It's the first passage that we started with today. It's when Jesus shows up with his disciples, says this, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the breath in our lungs, the the fuel that empowers us, it is not our own strength. It's nothing that we can take credit for, but God himself resides within us. Church, we are the family of God. And the breath in the family of God that oxygenates it every single day is the Holy Spirit of God. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are sent out into our parish and into our communities in order to be a blessing because that's the Father's heart. And it's always been the Father's heart, and it will always be the Father's heart. So friends, it's exciting what God has done over these last two years. You have to come back these next two weeks because we're going to unpack more and more, and we're going to talk about where it is that Jesus is sending us in this next season of our life. But I can't tell you now, you got to come back, okay? All right, bunch of bow your heads and close your eyes, and let's just say to the Lord, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for dying on the cross and raising to new life so that we might be free and the chains might be gone and we might live a vibrant and full life with you. And Jesus, we want to pick up this role description that you have left us. We want to be sent out the way that you sent out the disciples. We want to go into our parishes and our cities, our communities, and be a blessing, your blessing, your love, your compassion, your grace, your kindness, your caring. So show us how, Lord Jesus, and give us the courage to follow through on whatever it is that you are calling us to. We say this courageously, that we want to be the blessing in this world that you're calling us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.